What is up, everyone? We are back here with the Slap and Meat Wrestling Podcast. I'm We Too Deep, and again with me, we got DJ Wavy D. Here, um, what's going on? <laughs> all right, so we're we're gonna have to rant a little bit about about AEW. I know, I know, I said that's my sort of New Year's resolution. I wasn't gonna complain about them that much. I can't, I can't let this one f- pass though. Their fans <laughs> get on my nerves whenever, whenever you, whenever you call out craziness that happens on their show and this one has to come back with darby allen always trying to kill himself again um so uh when was it it was what last wednesday uh, yep. yeah last wednesday on dynamite darby allen was uh, a jump rope and got flung across the ring for no reason ever for no reason whatsoever and bounced his neck off of uh the rope uh and like always, when 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 people of common sense uh, try to call out these unnecessary spots, AEW fans come back with the same excuse of the assumption of risk. So 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 I want to talk about this. I want I want you to give your uh, opinion first, and then we then I'll give mine. So when when they say the assumption of risk, so I, I feel like we definitely need to define that between. Mm-hmm. The community, because like they're, they're using assumption of risk to cover, to cover everything. Mm-hmm. Like you know, like I've seen people in IWC using assumption of risk for stuff like the Owen Hart tragedy. Mm-hmm. Like that's assumption of risk. And I'm like, you know, from my point of view, there's assumption of risk where it's like, hey, you know, I'm gonna be in a wrestling match. You know, I'm gonna take some bumps. My back might hurt a little bit from falling on the, from falling on the mat. You know, you know, what I'm saying but my knees might hurt from. Constantly having to jump up and down, like you know, like there's a subject of risk that you know your bio sees some wear and tear, but then there's also like the unnecessary risk or unnecessary mm-hmm. danger, if you will. Like for example, the Owen Hart tragedy was very unnecessary. Did he really need to fly from the rafters, you know, on the zipline? No. Right. And then you have you know, folks like Darby Allen, for example, where, you know. This man has taken a, a lot of unnecessary spots, unnecessary dangerous spots that he doesn't need to. Um, for example, like when Christian Cage gave him a suplex off the apron onto the edge of the steel steps, mm-hmm. like the actual step part, not not the like the flat top, but the actual right, step. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> Kevin Owens does a similar spot that I'm not a fan of when he like gets lunged backwards and falls back like back first on, on, on the on steps the step, as well. Yeah. Like, even Kevin Owens does it, so it's not just a strictly AEW thing. But, like, it's it's um very unfortunate that wrestlers feel like they need to do dangerous spots to, to get over. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then, you know, they can't rely just purely on, like, technical wrestling or charismatic, like, being charismatic and having mic skills. Like, when you have to resort to being just a straight up, like, straight up, like stunt double or a stunt man just just to feel like the satisfaction of getting over I, f- I feel like that's very unfortunate because i think darby island has the wrestling skills mm-hmm. to where he doesn't need to be a spot fest demon or like a, like a stunt man every single match especially on free tv like if you want to bust out like a crazy stunt like at wrestlemania or a bound for glory or all out or whatever you know your big show of the year like you know I, I can be a little more okay with that. But when you're doing just like getting like thrown across the ring into the ropes, mind you, those ropes are like they're steel cables that are wrapped with like like, like a coating of, I don't know, what, what, whatever it is, like latex or whatever, whatever it is, a coating of something. But the, the rope itself is actually like steel cables. Right. So like, they're not rope. But, but yeah, so there's like Darby Allen. Uh, there's other wrestlers who fall into the category, but right now he's the topic of discussion. I just feel like, you know, you don't have to 
you know, risk your life essentially. Like, you know, he could have easily broke his neck, been paralyzed on that. Mm-hmm. Like he, like there was reports that he actually is pretty banged up and pretty injured from that. And I know he personally, he says that, you know, he doesn't want to wrestle for a long time. He just wants to get all these spots out the way and he doesn't really care about his body. But that's unfortunate. I feel like yeah. fans should support him that he does need to do this stuff to win them over. Right. Absolutely. So I, I agree with you. Um, so I do agree. We do have to define terms. What is the assumption of risk? And so, for example, when I go to work, I assume that there's some sort of risk that could happen. I could trip on something and like that's assumption of risk. The problem that I have is this, you know, Darby Allen isn't assuming risk. He's elevating risk. He's when you're doing, you know, yeah. So like you said, when I get, if I was a wrestler and I get in between the ropes, I'm going to assume I'm going to get hurt in, in some way, shape, or form. I'm going to, you know, I'm taking a bump. Those bumps aren't easy to take. Um, you're forcefully dropping your body on onto uh, basically uh, steel and, and wood uh, with the little with the little padding on top of it. Like, yeah, when you take a bump, you're going to get hurt. Yeah. The problem comes in when you elevate the risk past what is, you know, what, what is safe. And so this has always been sort of my argument against the Hardys is I personally don't believe the Hardys are liked because of their in-ring ability. It's they're the stunt demons that do the crazy spots. And that's what we remember them for. Yeah. Um, and so to, personally to me, that's not my style of wrestling. I don't, I don't hate Darby Allen. I think, Darby Allen could be the future of AEW if he didn't have to cough and drop on everything. If he didn't have to do the the adrenaline rush type type spots like this. Um, and so like you like you were mentioning, those ropes, I, I feel like a lot of wrestling fans sort of have this idea that it's a rope and it's you know it's soft and it's flexible and and like you're saying, it's if it is a rope, it's like a tug of war rope that they cover in tape, but most companies like WWE use steel, steel cable, and they wrap it in like electric tape or some sort of heavy duty, like duct tape. Yeah. Um, and so it's not like something that just, you can just bounce off of. Um, and there's actually something, uh, it's called, um, I think it's called like internal decapitation where he, he he's not decapitated, but he separates, you separate the the spinal cord from the neck and can lead to, to death. Um, Darby Allen was inches away from that happening to him. And as a wrestling fan, and this is me with anything, with sports, like football is a dangerous sport. I never want to see someone get hurt. Mm. Um, and so if there's something, you know, like last year when uh, Dolphins quarterback uh, Tua, he got hit like four times in the head in one game and they took him out of the game. Like wrestling is the only sport slash entertainment method that, you know, fans applaud people for being doing reckless things. Um, and I just feel like as a fan, my goal is to never see someone get hurt. And so my biggest problem isn't necessarily the, the, the spot, though. It was stupid. It, it doesn't add anything to the match. My problem is the response to it. I feel W or not, excuse me. I feel AEW fans always have to come out with some sort of excuse to protect AEW as a brand. And that's not your job. Your job is to enjoy the show. And if they're doing stupid shit, call it out. Um, and then they always, my biggest, my pet peeve when it comes to the IWC is the, well, what about this? Or what about that? These, what about isms of, yeah. Oh, no one complained about Carmelo Hayes and uh, Austin Theory. And, yeah, we didn't complain because, one, I didn't even watch the, that match. and But, two, they stopped the match. When the spot happened, they stopped the match. Yes. And so, um, and I think you posted, I forgot which Discord you posted in, but there's a difference between doing something reckless and a botch. 
actually yeah. flipping off the top rope or or something like that. Botches happen. You uh, and I'm pretty certain Austin Theory was not planning on dropping himself and Carmelo Hayes on the top of their face. Yeah, like, like for for example, like the, the spot you're talking about between um, Theory and Carmelo Hayes. Um, Th- Theory has been doing that spot for like the last three four months, like routinely his mm-hmm. matches, especially like his matches with Kevin Owens. If you go back and watch, where um, his opponent, you know, um, Carmelo Hayes is sitting on the turnbuckle. Theory jumps up, does like a little like a spring like a springboard Spanish fly almost. A sitting springboard Spanish fly, I guess is the best way to put it. And essentially they just didn't rotate fast enough and in theory they get didn't get enough bounce on it. But it's a move that he hit repeatedly. It's not like it was a one time move that he pulled out of no of, of thin air. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so like that move itself and like you said, it got the match got stopped right away. It wasn't like, you know, they're going against safety to the point where they're like, you, you, you might be concussed, but you know you gotta finish the match. You gotta power through. Right, right. They're like, hey, everyone knows that this this is scripted. You know, like accidents happen, and if an accident does happen, we have the responsibility as a professional company to make sure that you're okay, and to you know, right, carry, carry on with the show properly. Right, absolutely. And so, so they'll say, you know, you didn't complain about this or. Um, Oh, how come no nobody called out Ricochet versus or when they do that stupid spot with Logan Paul? We we called it out. Y'all just don't pay attention to the casual community. We talk about it all the time. When when stupid shit happens, we call it out. We're the, um, we're typically the first people to call it out. Um, that was a nice spot though. It was, was a that, nice that, spot. That, that, Devil's Advocate. It was a nice spot. And also, <laughs> what, what, oh wait, are, are, we, are we talking about the the springboard when they met in the? Are we talking so about that the, one was going not that one the the one at the Spanish fly on the on the table yeah the table spot yeah that, that, yeah yeah we, we did agree that one was very necessary um, the Spanish fly onto the table is very necessary yeah that, um but I think the problem I don't think AEW fans understand is that at, at least between us two it's not a brand thing like this isn't like brand loyalty like I just want Darby Allen to be able to make it to fifty years old if not older, and not have to be in a wheelchair. And also, and, in, in Darby's defense, we've seen matches where he shows his technical ra- wrestling prowess. If you go, it was one of the one of the best AEW matches that I personally watched. Mm-hmm. When you when the 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 four pillars fill yeah. four match between MJ, Sammy, Jungle Boy, and no, was it was it Jungle Boy? It was it was um, MJF, Sammy, I think it was Darby, and Jungle Boy. Yeah, that was a really good match that Darby showed a lot of like good wrestling. Right. Um, I feel though, like in the same aspect, in the way that like Darby has to do like these call, like how many times he coffin dropped on a coffin, like <laughs> those spots aren't needed. They add nothing to the match, especially like you said on free TV. If this was an all out or a revolution, and but even still, like. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't feel like flinging this dude like a jump rope around the ring adds like, anything. A, a, a similar move that that could have had just a great impact is if he did like what you like you said in the, in the Discord is if he did like the Spirit Squad. Um, lately you bring him up in the air and just he comes right back down. Right, right. Um, and so I don't know. I'm I'm tired of the what aboutisms. This isn't a this isn't a brand thing. Uh, they, they, like you brought up, they always bring up Owen. And mm-hmm. first off, social media wasn't around back then. I wasn't alive back then, so how can I be complain about Owen Hart? I will yeah. never justify Owen Hart's death. That that's not justifiable at all. It was a stupid spot. But I'm not going to go back into the '90s to look at things to nitpick to justify Darby Allen almost dying. Um. And so, yeah, I don't know. Any other response or anything other that you want to add um, to this conversation? So, so j- just to add to the part where you're talking about how, you, you know, AEW fans feel the need to defend and protect it and whatnot, that kind of goes back to the first conversation I had when I was on your show. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the tribalism episode. Right. And that, you know, we, we – a lot of wrestling fans feel the need to protect, you know, their brand or, you know, and whatnot. And 
I, I, I get it when it comes to, to the um, aspect of promoting your brand and repping your brand. You know, if, you know, the, the promotion or the company or the brand that, that you like and you, you know, you're the, you're the biggest fan of, and they do something wrong, you know, you kind of sh- you should hold them accountable too. Because at the end of the day, it's just if your company is doing wrong or something, something bad is happening and they're not being held accountable or, or not holding themselves accountable, that's diminishing, like, the quality of your brand. Um, so the next thing, same episode of Dynamite, and, you know, we're teasing Sting's final match. <sighs> and it's, it's, it's the Young Bucks. Yes. Of all people. Now, before we break down why we don't like this, because you don't like it, I don't like it. Um, Sting did get to make this choice. And so I understand wanting to do this, but I'm going to let, I'm going to let you go first and then I'll give my response. What's your thoughts so- on, on this match? First and foremost, you know, to the fans, I don't want y'all to think that I'm just an AEW basher. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the, the reason why I do have these opinions and I'm critiquing them is because I made the New Year's resolution to watch AEW more. Mm-hmm. That way, you know, I'd be more informed to what I'm talking about and, you know, more familiar with it. So I'm, I'm definitely trying to watch it more. And as someone who, you know, I got introduced to Sting during his TNA run, you know, I was I wasn't I wasn't alive during the well I was alive I was born ninety seven but I wasn't really around for the WCW you know I wasn't cognitive at that point and Sting didn't come to WWE you know that was the main thing I watched I also did watch TNA so I knew Sting from TNA mm-hmm. and so you know I saw you know older older Sting you know probably at that point he was what his fifties at that point around there yeah yeah so I, I knew you know. Still having matches, still, you know, the icon, still, you know, top of the game thing, you know. And so now seeing him in AEW and um, a, a fellow member of the um, Junkyard Media Group, Cody K-Dog, he brought up a good point that I didn't know and that you just reiterated was that, you know, Sting is the one who's calling his matches. And Tony's given Sting the power to make his matches and make his stories pretty much. And that Cody brought up a good point that Sting hasn't been in a, in a single singles match since he's been in AEW. They've all been tag team matches, trios matches, you know, so on and so forth. You know, they've all been tag matches. And, you know, that's great. You know, I understand Sting's an old wrestler. But you would just think for, for your final match, you would kind of want, you know, the attention on you. And, you know, I, I know Darby's been his understudy, his protege. And you know it's not it's not really in the storyline right now, but I feel like they definitely could have gotten to the point where it could have been Sting versus Darby in Sting's final match, or or you could get like another legend like a Sting versus Jeff Jarrett or a Sting versus like um some of, some of his other peers like like a Billy Gunn or something, you know someone who's kind of in that same age range, someone who has the history uh, the legacy. Or even like, you know, Sting versus Edge, Sting versus Christian. Like someone who has a legacy, who has a name. You know, and I know the Young Bucks are, you know, big names when it comes to the independent scene and people who are fans of AW, fans of, you know, people, you know, hardcore wrestling fans who watch New Japan, all this stuff. I get that they're fans of the Young Bucks. But if you're trying to sell Sting's last match, just from like a pure like promotional marketing standpoint, like say you want to get the quote-unquote casual or the guy who you know who watched Sting in TNA, or his short run in WWE, or knows him from WCW, you know, if you want to get that casual guy to tune in to see Sting's last match, like you want it in a marquee match against another big name, mm-hmm. it's like oh Sting's last match tag team against the Young Bucks. Like currently, there's no story. You know, it's still time to build a story, but currently it's just hey Sting, you know. Your last match is at Revolution. You know what they said this back in like what November, October, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you know during the whole time you kind of could have been building something, but now you're you're what a month and a half away from the show, and you're like, hey, you know, let's walk the Young Bucks out. Right. I just feel like it's at this point not great booking, not a great last last match. They still have time to fix it, hopefully. But what they're what they're previewing, what they're teasing is not that great for my personal opinion. Right. So when you brought up marketing and, and bringing the casual fan in, I was going to bring that up. So I'll start with that 
This show is in Greensboro, North Carolina. It's an hour and a half from where I live. I was contemplating going. Now, if people need to know this about me, I don't buy tickets ahead of time. I wait to the week of the show and then wait to see if, when the scalpers want to just drop the ticket prices. Um, and so I was going to wait till the week of the show. More than likely, I was going to go. It's Sting. You know, I've never seen him live. He's a legend. Yeah, let me go see his last match. But then the Young Bucks walk out and immediately turn me off to even wanting to go to this show. People know me. I don't like the Young Bucks. I just, I don't, I'm with you. It, it had to be some sort of, some maybe someone he had some sort of history with. It is in North Carolina. This is sort of Crockett country. You could, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat still does matches in this area. You could have called him up and had him do a match against mm. Sting. Um, he's a, especially if Flair's in Sting's corner, that's one of Flair's biggest rivals. Yeah. So, but I'm, I'm still saying, okay, if Sting's going to go out and this is how, I guess I'm more old school in how I view wrestling. When you're retiring, you have to go out on the mat. You can't, you can't go out with your arms up. You just can't. It's just not how wrestling has ever existed. Undertaker technically was supposed to go out on his back. Roman Reigns was supposed to be his retirement match at WrestleMania 33. But then Vince McMahon kept dragging him back. Right. And so, and I'll say the same thing. I know people are like, oh, you're, you're complaining about AEW again. I feel the same way about Edge. Edge should have left WWE on his back with either Theory or Waller or someone beating him where he could pass the torch to, to sort of give that boost to. Um, and so, it, to me, the only logical fit for Sting's last match is Darby. That's the only logical thing you could have done here. And it didn't have to be a long match. I know Sting's older, but you could have put, you could have had a five, ten-minute match with the story being you didn't even really need a storyline. This is just Darby, uh, I want you to, to face me in my last match. And Darby wins and gets the torch passed from Sting to Darby. And that's all it had to be. It didn't have to be complicated. Um, and Sting would have passed on the torch uh, to Darby and, and give Darby a push towards a, a singles run. But instead, they do this tag team thing. And I don't know why the young... I, I'm fine with the tag team if, it's, if that's what they want it to do. But why the Young Bucks? There's nothing like that I know of that the Young Bucks had any history with this team. Um. And I just, I don't know. I feel like this is a big, this is catering towards the hardcore, you know, mark that for New Japan. And it's not, it doesn't fit the, personally, the North Carolina audience, uh, but just the American audience in general. Mm. I don't think the Young Bucks is as, are as over as people would think they would be. Um and so I would, you know, the guns would have been a cool team to do this with. Um, or even the acclaimed, you know, with Billy Gunn. That would have been a, a cool match to see. Um, I don't know. I'm just upset it's the Young Bucks. It makes no sense to me, you, like you said, to have like five weeks to build a story. Um, and this just seems to me like, oh, it's the Young Bucks there. I don't know. I think they got removed from their EVP role, but even still, like, I feel like whenever they need, like, a big spot, they always throw Kenny or the Young Bucks in it when mm -hmm. they can put some of these other people that need, you know, that push in these, in these, in these uh, spots. And so I know, I know the match. So the match I'm going to bring up, I know looking back at it, um, it's, it's, it's a little frowned upon. It's a little bit of an infamous match. But when I was younger, when I was a kid watching the match, I thought it was like pretty epic. It was the HBK versus um, Hulk Hogan at SummerSlam match, mm -hmm. and I'm just thinking like, hey, why did you get like a younger dude? You know, saying like like you said, like a five ten minute match where just like Sting hits all his spots. You know, you go through like you know a little memory run where he hits everything. His stinger splashes, his scorpion death drops, his um, what was what, what's what's the name of his submit um, submission? Is there a certain name to it, or is it just the 
like the um the sharpshooter. Does he have a certain name for it? Sharpshooter. What is the name of his finish? His well, I know it's the sharpshooter, but what's the that name he uses? Right. What's it? the name that he uses? I Scorpion, don't know. Scorpion Deathlock or something like that. It's something like that. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever he name. Whatever. I forgot what the name of it is. But um, yeah. Like there, I feel like there's cool different options you could win. You go the. You get like a wrestler who just like oversells and like the crowd's hyping up thing. It's a good thing or whatever. Even like you know, I'm not I'm not super traditional where like you know you got go on your back or whatever. Like it's fine to have Sting win his last match. Like you know, he's a guy who deserves it. You know what I'm saying? Like you could have put him up against a, I don't know, like a like a Sammy Guevara or just like a even a Darby or a, just someone like who you know who's really good at selling and just kind of like oversell it and just have a have a fun thing about it. Or if you wanted to build up someone, you could have gone like maybe, maybe like the also AW themselves have a lot of older talent, mm-hmm. you know, old people, you know, legends or whatever. Why don't you try to revive like the like a legend killer gimmick for one of your heels, one of your young heels? You know, what I'm saying some guy, you know, one of their young heels comes over and they're disrespecting this thing, and you're like you know, old oh, man, you gotta hang it up or whatever. I'm gonna end your career. And then, you know, he comes over, you know, him and Sting have the match where he does all his stuff or whatever, and he beats Sting. That man will, you know, that, you know, and then you do what you do what um what um Roman Reigns did for the Undertaker. I I beat the Undertaker at WrestleMania. I retired the Undertaker. Yada yada yada. And he just gets booed for five, seven minutes straight. Just taking in all the heat. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We we seen the play out already. Right. Randy Orton Randy Orton's done a similar gimmick. Where he's, you know, where he was the legend killer taking out legends left and right. Roman Reigns taking out Undertaker. And, like, you know, you just, it's a good way to build a young heel. Um, Like, who, like who's the young heel that, that, they, that they kind of could give that match to? Where it's like, hey, take Sting out, retire him. Right. I don't know if he's a heel now, but I feel like that's something, like, Hobbs could have done. Because mm. Hobbs has a lot of, like, he's built, but he... What are they doing with Hobbs? Literally nothing. Yeah. And so um, I just, yeah, he, he, it could be sort of where, like, he's frustrated with his booking and he comes out and just takes all the old people out. Simple yeah. as that. And now you have a big heel in Hobbs. Yeah, he, he starts off by taking out Sting. Right. Next, next him and um, his boys go after um, the acclaim. He takes out Billy Gunn, retires right. Billy Gunn or whatever. And then next thing you know, he goes and takes out Paul White, retires Paul White. Right. Retire, is Mark Henry still a writer or something for them? He takes out Mark Henry, retires yeah. him for good, and just goes down the list of all the. And, like, and it doesn't even have to be in a match. Like it could just be he sees Mark Henry backstage and attacks him. Exactly. Like I and just so, yeah. Like, so there's ways you can get creative. I just feel that AEW's booking feels super like, in a way, formulated. Where it's like insert young bucks here. And I don't think it's needed. I just, I just don't think that they, they need it to be in this spot. They're losing absolutely, and I could tell you as soon as they walked out that yeah, Sting's gonna find. You know, you just gave away the match. Sting, Sting's winning. Yeah. So, um, I, I, I would, be, I would be even happier with Sting versus Kenny Omega, two big right. names like, in right. the promotion. I don't know. I think it's a waste of opportunity. Absolutely. All right, so we'll move on to. I'm pretty sure you could even call up. I'm pretty sure you could have worked out something and called up Booker T from WWE. I'm sure you could, you know, you threw a little money over there. <laughs> I'm sure Triple H would, Triple H, you know, his respect for Sting, it would have been like, yo, Booker, go ahead, you know, you and Sting versus like Jeff Jarrett and whoever, you know, right. Ricky Steamboat or whatever, right? Little, w, little WCW reunion or whatever. Right, right. Um, all right. We'll so we'll move. <laughs> we'll move forward to. Some questions from Discord. Before I actually get those, I have a question that I wanted to ask you, and then I'll give my opinion on it as well. Um, with the results of the pay-per-view this weekend uh, for TNA's first rebranded show back as TNA, mm-hmm. uh, what's it called? Hard to Kill was the name of it? Uh, yes. You know, you got Nick Namath over there, Dana Brooke. I forgot what she's going by. Um, Ace the Elegance or something, something, something. like that. Ash, um, I think Ash, Ash, yeah, some, yeah, Ash the elegance. Um, and then uh, Top Dollar was over there. AJ Francis. Um, I don't know if he's signed long term though. I think he's running just indie stuff. Uh, okay. I think Grizzled, I think Grizzled Young Veterans are now over there. Um, sh- so I've seen a lot of people say that 
TNA is now the secondary brand, number two, and AEW is now number three. Do you agree with this, and should we take TNA seriously? Um. So, as far as, like, the problem with TNA is I can't look at them as a secondary promotion again until they revamp, until I see it on TV every week that, they're, that they mm-hmm. revamp this whole crowd situation. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, I can't take your brand as a secondary brand or secondary promotion until, like, I see fans in the crowd. Like, like you need to get out of your performance center, you know, in front of like two hundred people, mm-hmm. and and like at least you know go go back to like what like, like what what they were doing in Florida back in Prime TNA, where they had like you know their home arena that mm-hmm. packed like two thousand people or whatever it was eight hundred to two thousand people. Like it looked like a filled crowd when you're watching on TV. You can't really tell the difference, right? Like it, it was, it's similar to like how NXT has their live right, crowd, but right, right. TNA's was even bigger. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you run out of a studio, you have people who come in, like, hey, just give free tickets, not free tickets, but give tickets away to, like, a local college or something. Get everyone down there, like, you know, the locals. Like, every Tuesday, or every Wednesday, when's your, when's your show? Every I, think Thursday? I think they're on Thursday, yeah. Every Thursday, yo, come down, come down and watch TNA. Like, well, once you get, like, the atmosphere, and then you continue your high quality of wrestling, because TNA always has, mm-hmm. you know, high quality wrestling. The storylines are a little too wacky for me personally. You know that they they go they, they go a little wacky route sometimes. Yeah. So it's a little too wacky for me. But TNA always had good wrestling. Their main problem was because you know they they never had like a great budget or like a good like strong source of income behind them. You know for the most part, that's why they've always been fluctuant. But if TNA can get a stable money source behind them, get a decent like get get a really good crowd atmosphere. Where like their show looks really good on TV, I'll tune mm-hmm. in Thursdays and get back into TNA. They got they got good talent over there. Right, they still got, they still got the most more machine guns who I liked since I was younger. Mm-hmm. They got Moose. They got Josh Alexander. Yeah, they, and so on and so forth. And right now they're not second. I, I would say AW second, even though they're you know I'm not the biggest lover of AW. They do still put on good quality matches. Um. And they do for you know we, we we give them a lot a lot of flack for a lot of shit for it, but you know their production wise, even though they're only like half full, when you see it on TV, they do a decent job of you know showing the full parts of the crowd. Right. So like you know I might I might like not, not like all their action, but their atmosphere wise, what you see on TV, mm-hmm. it looks full enough to where I can believe it, right. where I can enjoy it. Um. So yeah, currently um, TNA is probably third right so i'm gonna agree with you on the on the production side of it tna's got a lot there's a lot of ground to cover um they they, they lack production wise the stage looks like it's a house show the you know the the tron itself doesn't you know it's it's small and that works when you are in a small arena with 300 people and it's a house show um but if you, I'm with you. If you want me to take you as secondary, or not even necessarily competition, but in the same boat to even discuss beating AEW, AEW's production is world class. They've done a very good job in the last few years of really going away from like the indie production into a more mainstream production. I will say though, roster wise and match quality wise, to me. TNA does better than AEW. If they could just fix the production, and I'm with you, I think they need to, even if it's going back to Universal Studios or, you know, maybe renting out full sale like NXT used to do um, in Florida, or even if it's just, you know, r- random touring. You know, I think their whole, their home base is Nashville. There's, there's small arenas in Nashville you can use. Um, and so I do agree, you know, they need, they need more fans, even if it is just giving away tickets like NXT does. I don't, if y'all don't know this, NXT is free to get into. I think it's first come first serve. Mm-hmm. That's why it's the same people in the crowd every week. Um, and so, um, I do believe from that production aspect, they do need some work, but I'm very intrigued. And for those who don't know, uh, 
if you subscribe or if you join their like membership plan on YouTube, I think it's like a dollar ninety nine a month. Uh, you can get their TV show on YouTube. Um, and so like for me, like I don't have access TV, and that is their other thing. They need to get they need a major network deal. Yeah. I know I know Access TV owns the company, um, but you're only available to like seventy thousand people. You need a major network, even if it's the CW, uh, getting on something like that to where more people can see you. Um, but it is on YouTube if you want to pay a dollar ninety nine. It's like a thirty minute delay, so instead of it's instead of eight o'clock, it starts at eight thirty. Um, but um, I'm gonna start watching it on th- on Thursdays now. I'm I'm paying for it to see if it if it's interesting enough but and then they have another plan that's like seven dollars where you get all the pay-per-views or whatever um after like 30 days after they air mm-hmm. uh, and so i mean they're they're trying to make it accessible but uh my second question with that is <laughs> with all the talent that seemed to be just be all all x wwe like i had the sort of conspiracy that i came up with on saturday where this is sort of just like talent transfer and WWE has bought TNA. Okay. You see this as a, so, like to me, you know, you got Top Dollar, you got uh, Ziggler, grizzled young veterans. To me, it just feels like okay, WWE is going to release all these people, buy TNA, and then sort of make it feel like. To me, it just feels like a transfer of talent. Um, I don't know. Endeavor now owns the the streaming app that TNA uses. So which app is that? Uh, so like uh, uh, TNA Plus or whatever it's called now. Okay. Um, Endeavor's doing the streaming for their pay per views. The okay. Um, and so, um, I mean, there's connections there that you know people can see. Um, that you know Endeavor's got an interest in TNA now, and so I could definitely see Endeavor putting money into TNA. Okay. Um. And so I guess, I guess uh, where I'm headed with this is, is I feel at some point, maybe not a full buyout of the company, but I definitely feel like WWE TNA will definitely start working together in the near future. I know Triple H has said he's been open to to doing yeah. like a forbidden door type thing. Yeah. Well, when it comes to the WWE TNA partnership or like working together or stuff like that. It's just hard to like to picture a full on like team up or mm-hmm. a full on partnership just because WWE is so big and TNA is you know mm-hmm. not so big to the point where you know WWE doesn't need TNA. Of course, you know if you want to please some fans or you know or have a big pop at a show like you know when they brought Mickey James to the Rumble. Right. Also, correct me if I'm wrong, but when she came out, didn't they like pre-announce it that she would be at the Yeah, Rumble? they pre they pre-announced she would be which there, which was which I I still think was really stupid. Yeah, I I think it would be like a bigger pop, bigger moment if they didn't announce it. You know, her was hardcore country. She walks right. out with, with the belt, like right. Be, but yeah, so I do think that WWE is just too big to the point where they really don't need TNA and right. And also, like when you look at TNA's roster, you know, like you like you said, they have you know a lot of ex WWE people, but like to be fair, most of them out you know outside of um, Dolph Ziggler, Nick Namath, or whatever, they're all pretty kind of like you know like scraps. You know what I'm saying? Like like Top Dollar, AJ Francis, you know, really great dude. Um, he does a lot, for, you know, a lot for his community, a lot of like charitable work, a lot, you know, like like he'll give you the shirt off his back. Like he's a really dope guy. Really nice right. guy. But, like, as far as, like, an in-ring talent for WWE, I feel like he is not big enough to be a big man in WWE. He is not, like, from what I witnessed in his matches, that great of, like, a crazy, you know, technical wrestler. You know what right. I'm saying? So he's not, you know, he's, like, kind of, like, stuck in a weird in-between stage. And so I, like, you know, WWE didn't give him much to work with. But... Yeah, so I I looked at him as very expendable as far as WWE was concerned. I was never huge with Dana Brooke. I thought Dana Brooke is very expendable. Mm-hmm. I thought I thought she was like a Natalia 2.0, and I'm I'm not a huge fan of Natalia. It's, you know, Natalia's a company gal, keep her around long term. 
You know what I'm saying? I think I think Natalia should go into like a Tyus O'Neal role, but that's a, that's another discussion for another day. But yeah, so I see those two as expendable. Dolph Ziggler, the, the writing was on the wall. Like Dolph asked for, if, if I'm not mistaken, asked for his release or was told that he was going to be released like eight months ago. And like, you know, they knew it was coming to an end. And the problem with Dolph is just, you know, he was making too much too much money for the role that he was playing. Right. And so at that point, you're expendable as far as money is concerned. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, you're a company guy. The crowd loves you. The fans love you. You, you have history here. But at the end of the day, we're giving you more money than you're bringing in at the moment. And, you know, not to his fault, really, because WWE didn't really know how to use him. The crowd loved him. It's just that they never pushed him or, or never committed to pushing him right. all the way. And Grizzly Young Veterans, I'm not familiar with their work. They're mostly a teenage group, right? I mean, an NXT group. Uh, so, yeah. So before they came to NXT UK, they were in, I think, Progress, which is a UK Based brand WWE sort of worked with, with Triple yeah. H did. Um, they then came to NXT and they turned them into Schism, which I thought was. I mean, they were in title picture the entire time they yeah. were there. I don't know why they wanted to leave, but. Oh yeah, um, I mean, you know, so I guess you know, from my eyes, they're also expendable. You know, if you look through TNA's roster, you know, you got Rich Swan, you know, former Cruiserweight um, in WWE. I don't think he ever won the title though, but you know, former Cruiserweight, you know. Eric Young, who had big, way bigger role in TNA, he was in XT, did some stuff, but you know, he's a TNA legend through and through. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you, you, you go through the roster, you know, you see familiar names, but as far as their role in WWE, a lot of them, most of them, if not all, were very expendable. And right. so, I outside of a few mm-hmm. like legendary names like Mickey James, Gail Kim making appearances that like mm-hmm. Royal Rumbles and stuff like that. Or even like a Moose versus Lashley. Well, also I, Moose, I feel like he's not I, that big outside of TNA. I feel like he's a big fish in a small pond. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Um, the the big thing I'm really concerned with with TNA is their women's division because the three biggest stars are no longer there. Mickey James is gone. I think she just signed with. She's in like a writing role in some other company. I forgot what, who she just signed with. Trinity's gone. Uh, more than likely coming back to WWE. Well, so we're, well, she's about to leave. Reports say that she has some unfinished dates. So she's questionable for the Royal Rumble. Right. And then, of course, Deanna Perazzo is now in AEW. So their three biggest women are gone. So their women's talent is a little bit indie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, um, yeah, I mean, you make some points, though. I think WWE is too big for MP- or TNA at this point. Um, it wouldn't benefit anyone. Like like a full-on deal wouldn't benefit. But if you're doing like, hey, let's do it for Ben Dorber, where we bring in like more same machine guns to face off against the New Day right. at like Survivor Series, like that would probably that would be dope. Right. But just like a full-on commitment, like work need- relationship, you know. I need Josh. I need Josh Alexander in WWE as soon as possible. He's a guy who wears the like the wrestling headgear. Yeah, right? yeah. All right. Uh, he's yeah. He's him and Moose are my favorite down there. But Moose is super, super like indie popular. He's not popular much outside of, but he's really good. Oh yeah, I've seen. Him. He, he, he he's not strong on the mic. Like he does no, okay no, for himself. No. But he's not. He's not very strong at all. Yeah, on the mic. No, not at all. <laughs> all right. So the next question. Uh, these two are from B Master. He asked some good questions here. Uh, tell me why I should be watching WWE over all the other shows. I think this is pretty self-explanatory. I'll let you go first. Um. So why you should watch WWE over all the other shows? I mean, I don't know, it's, it's, it's hard to like describe it without sounding like elitist. Right. I just feel like it's the best product on TV. I mean, you know, AW is built for is currently built for a niche product, a niche, a niche, niche audience, but they try to promote it to the masses. Mm-hmm. But their product is niche. So right. I mean, like if you want you know, it, it depends on the wrestling you want to see. Mm-hmm. If you want to see spot fest, like you know, no selling or spot fest, no stories, you just want to see two guys get in there and see the craziest thing that, that you could do in a ring. Sure, AEW might be for you. Uh, of course, you know they might run two, like one or two good storylines at a time, but like across the whole promotion, if if you just want to see, 
I hate using like just one or like just like like they're not just a spot fest, but that's like what they're kind of known for is like really really top tier like good matches on free TV, but with little build up. Mm. And like if you don't know this character, this guy who came from GCW, but he's he's having one match against Kenny Omega for the world title in the main event. You're like, why? How? Why is this guy getting a title match? Like, I never heard of him. He's not even on your roster. <laughs> it's like, right? And TNA, you know, again, they have an in-ring product that I would say is more is, is more similar to WWE. Uh, of course, you know, there's still aspects of indie stuff. But I feel like I feel like we could, we confuse indie with cruiserweight or like indie with fast-paced sometimes. Right. Right. So. Like when I look at indie spot fest, like there's a difference between I think a bunch of super kicks and do a bunch of hurricanradas, but like when you're doing like literally like Canadian Destroyer, the other guy bounces off the rope, does another Canadian Destroyer. I don't know if you saw that spot from like last week or something. Bro, yeah. It was like you're using people's finishers as regular moves in a match and you're or, like no selling it. Yeah, or my favorite is the super kick like fest where like eight people are in the ring and they just go in circles and super kick each other. I hate yeah. that spot. I hate it. <laughs> I hate it with a burning passion. So um, I guess to wrap it up and in terms of why you watch WWE, I always looked at WWE as a male soap opera or a masculine soap opera, mm-hmm. a tough, a tough soap opera, you know, say so you got good story people to get invested into that moves the product along week to week. And you also have, you know, matches in between that. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's a great overall entertainment that most shows you could bring your child, you could bring a family to. Right. Most, if not all shows. Right. Um, and so I'll add on to that. Um, yeah. I think WWE is one, it's, it's family friendly for the most part. Um, so you don't really have to worry about, you know, seeing John Moxley get stabbed in the face with 18, uh, skewers and him bleeding profusely, which you know some kids just don't want to see that, um, and I don't even want to see that. So, um, and so the, the family friendliness of the show, and I know that's a, a negative to to some people in the audience who want to see a more adult product, which I think there's a place for. But and that's that's what I see with WWE is, you know, if you want a family friendly, uh show well you got bianca belair you got you know john cena when he shows up uh but if you want you know storytelling you got the bloodline and the judgment day and um but if you want fast-paced like uh i guess you could say spot fest go watch nxt in the north american title picture uh or the heritage cup and so there's there's little things little sections for each person and what their needs to watch are. And so I personally, I, I like NXT the best. So I watch NXT, you know, Wavy D's team red over here. Mm-hmm, uh, yes, sir. And, and I'm sort of leaning towards team red a little bit. Um, some good stuff going on there. Um, and, and there's just, I don't know. I think from a, from a production aspect, from a promo aspect, just, it's the biggest thing out there and that may be an elitist thing to say, but you, they they're, they've been at the top for 40 plus years for a reason. Yeah. Um, and they've, they, they know what works. They've mastered it. Have, have there been parts in the last 20 years where it sucked? Absolutely. Um, but you know, for the most part, it's a consistent show. You know what you're going to get? Like you said, it's a, it's a soap opera. There's a story you can get invested in. And spend two to three hours to sort of just relax. Mm-hmm. And I feel for me when I'm watching AEW, I have to do some work to to watch the show. Like it's so fast paced, and there's so many p- people that I don't know. And, and I, I'm a little bit more hardcore, and like I know a lot of the indie guys. And there are still people on there uh, that show up. Like, who are you? Like, I don't even know who you are. Mm. Um, and so when I feel like I have to work to, to make it through your show and yeah, I, I just, I sort of, you know, that's off putting for me. Um, so yeah, WWE to me, it's just, it's just consistent and it's, it, it is the superior show. Um, I think, just, 
Go ahead. I, I forget what what's the term like, especially when it comes to movies, where they're explaining why they're doing something. Like what? like a backstory or almost uh, that is a depth no um what's uh, something position where like, a set oh, go like ahead. deposition no not deposition that, that, that's uh, like trial stuff exposition I forget when like literally when it's like they're the characters are talking to each other and describing stuff so that way we the audience know why they're doing it because they didn't show it on screen. So, like, instead of you seeing our relationship over the past couple of years, I'm going to tell you right now, like, hey, you know, we've been through a lot of stuff the last couple of years. <laughs> like, you know, all those times. Right. Like, uh, like what McIntyre did on Monday. Yes. Cody. Yeah. So, uh, is that so exposition? A, Maybe exposition. exposition? Yes. Yeah. Ex- a lot of exposition. So, AW doesn't do the exposition work that I feel like WWE does. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you didn't watch like Monday Night Raw like eight years ago when like right. when Cody and Drew like were tag team champions or whatever mm-hmm. we're doing some exposition to like catch you up on like hey why is it a big deal that these two guys are in the ring right now right or like before a match even though how minuscule some of these wrestlers might seem they'll give you a little 30 second video package mm-hmm. to catch up on why they're kind of you know important right AW lacks the exposition, if that's the right word. I, Correct I, me in the comment right. section. <laughs> um, like, I don't. I don't know if it's that they lack it or if they just don't care enough. I think. And so you know, calling them out. Shout out to Junkyard James. He sort of says this is what he sort of says. AEW treats their fans like they're smart. I don't know if that's necessarily what they're doing because I don't think WWE treats us like we're stupid. I think WWE realizes that there's a portion of their fan base that doesn't watch every week. Hmm. and needs to be caught up um and so like aw like you're saying they'll they'll have two random guys who fought at random indie show in japan in 2015 that no one watched and hmm. then they'll put them in a match to be like oh they have history okay yeah, well, like, explain they're, that history like yeah they're like, i don't like, I, they're having a random barbed wire death match on a like random wednesday right like, like, i just I, yeah and so yeah I, I definitely get what you're Get where you're, like, uh, like, for example, if you go back to the homecoming dynamite show from this past Wednesday, mm-hmm. why do we have two eight man tag team matches? Like, you know, do like a little something in the back, like a little promo in the back or a little backstage segment. Like, e- even if it is like what's the name, um, number zero or the um, Brody, Brody Lee's son, e- oh, even negative if, one, I think negative one, yeah, e- e- even if it's like Tony, like you know, like negative one, his mom arriving to the arena in their car and Tony's like, Hey, it's good to see you again. Do you want to help me book some show? Like, or you want me, like, what, put, right. like what, what match do you want to see tonight? Like, like we're, we're supposed to, we're supposed to just know that negative zero book these two out of eight, eight man tag team matches that have nothing. Like these, these wrestlers have nothing going on story-wise right. with each other. Yeah. AEW does tell a lot of sort of like inside jokes. Like, oh, you gotta wa- you gotta watch this random YouTube series that we do that's not affiliated canon. with AEW. Yeah, it's not part of the canon. Uh, and so, yeah, I just yeah, the, the, WWE just does a lot of explaining of why things are happening. Um, where I feel like, I mean, TNA does that as well. Um, where I feel as you know, the AEW fan base, um, or at least the booking, they just don't necessarily care to explain a lot of it. And maybe it's because they're not trying to book to a more casual audience. They expect their people to, to look it up, but I'm not going to do a Google search or a YouTube search for a random YouTube channel. Exactly. I yeah, just another, I don't have the time for that. Another reason WE is the must-watch product or why you should watch over the other stuff is I feel like a, a pro – I mean, some, some people might see it as a con, but the wrestlers you see on their TV are contracted to them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you're not going to yeah. see people from outside the promotion who aren't contracted with them, you know, wrestling on their shows, really. You know, it might be a job that no one knows. Right. But you're not, you're not going to see, like, hey, you know, this week we're bringing Kenny to face Josh, Josh right. Alexander, on the main event of TNA. It's like our superstars are our superstars. So you're not right. just going to see a glimpse of them and they disappear forever. Right, right, absolutely. And then B Master's last question here. I actually think it's a very, very good question. It was, do, yeah. Uh, do you think that it's better 
that everyone has a spot on the WrestleMania card, or do you think it's better when you had to earn your spot for the grandest stage? I'll let you start on this one as well. So, yes and no for both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it's great for the fans who buy tickets to go to WrestleMania and you have a higher chance of seeing your favorite wrestler at WrestleMania, I guess. So from a from a audience from an audience perspective, it's it's really good that there's more wrestlers on the show. And you know, you know, WrestleMania for the longest time was a one night event. Now mm-hmm. for like the last what five five ish years, six years, mm-hmm. or whatever it's been, it's been a two night event or two day event. Uh, I think from twenty. 2020 till now yeah so about four this will be the fourth year it's been two year or two days yeah so yeah so now it's a two-day event and so you know you have to fill the card up and i do think wwe does a decent job throughout the year of building up talent to where like it feels like they should have a match at mania mm-hmm. and also when you have these when you're playing more wrestlers in these in these matches and, and like they have programs leading up to wrestlemania I think it's better than, hey, you know, we kind of have like six guys who like who are upper mid card who should kind of be on the card, but we don't really have anything for them. But okay, fine. Let's let's take our top six like mid cards and like put them in a title match, or, like a ladder match. Right. You know what I'm saying? Or like let's let's take everyone and put them in an Andre Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Right. And the, the Battle Royal, I'm okay with getting rid of like. I like stuff well, like that. It's not even on WrestleMania anymore. That's the yeah. Friday before now. So, so like, you know, I feel like when it was less wrestlers, you're definitely had like a hit or miss mm-hmm. on like if a match was good, it, it was you know good, but if it was bad, it could really bring down the WrestleMania ranking or the, the right. rating. Kind of for any show, but WrestleMania is when you want your top tier matches, your top tier talent, and I feel like a lot of wrestlers. Deserve to be WrestleMania because you know WWE tends to bring in you know their part timers or their legends to have a spot at WrestleMania, but then they're taking a spot from a guy who could have deserved it in the past. You know, say like a guy who was busting his ass for eleven months. You know, when 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 you when you know these wrestlers were, you know, just away for the year or whatever, and now you know you work for eleven months. You you were at ten pay per views, but now that we're at WrestleMania, your hard work you're not getting like a award for it. Right. So now I feel I feel it's good to have more slots for these wrestlers to fight. Right. So with it being a two day event, um, I think I actually enjoy it a lot more. Um, you know, especially if it was going to be like I don't know if y'all remember the last WrestleMania before it went to two nights. It was like seven hours long. Yeah. And that's incredibly too much wrestling in one night. Um, even when I went. Live in thirty at uh, WrestleMania thirty three, it was like six and a half hours, and mm. it's fun. But then you like get out of the arena, and you're like, that was entirely too much time mm. to be sitting there. So um, I definitely like it being. T- I know a lot of people want it back to one night. I'm fine with two nights. Um, I'm sort of of this mindset that the more people you can get exposure to on WrestleMania. I think that's a good thing. However, you need to have them in places that make sense. Mm-hmm. The battle royal made no sense. Every year, someone won it and nothing came of it. Yeah. Um, no title match. Nothing. No title match. No nothing. And so, um, I think there's a lot of uh, there's well, the biggest problem is for most of the last couple, you know, ten years or so, WWE's inflated their roster. And so even when you have 13 matches at WrestleMania, you're only using half your roster. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think if we could get creative and get rid of some of the legends, you know, Stone Cold is fun, but we don't need him every year. Yeah. Um, You know, as fun as the Sami Zayn, Johnny Knoxville match was, you know, we don't need to do something like that every year. Um, and so I think Triple H is going to do a lot better at using his current roster. Um, and so I, I also don't like the idea of like you have to earn your way to WrestleMania because we all know it's scripted. You're not earning anything. Um, and so 
Um, I think if if the writers and the producers do their job, you can fit, you know, the mid card and the upper card, you know, the people that you're pushing, you can have and create good storylines for everyone on the roster. Yeah. And and so I don't think every single person should be at WrestleMania, but you know, here's, you know, 10 stories we've we've been building for the last year. We're going to culminate them all at WrestleMania. I think I think if you're creative enough, you can get that done. And also if you have all these matches, say you try to book them all into one card, like not everybody's going to get their time to shine. Right. So so when you split when you split amongst two nights, and you know you run a three and a half four hour show instead of like a seven hour show, right? Like again, you're giving the viewer time to digest it. So well, if, if if you're watching thirteen matches in a night, you're not gonna really have time. Like you're not gonna truly digest right. and appreciate the what's going on in the ring. Right. And I don't know if y'all have noticed this, but WWE the last couple months have been doing five match pay per views. Um, I think that's sort of like the sweet spot. You can it gives enough, you know. AEW does a, a pay per view and there's 14 matches on it, and you know it's six hours long. And I don't know about you, but like I sat and watched uh, World's End and it just felt like it would never end. Um, and you know, uh, Royal Rumble is going to have the two Rumble matches, uh, which both run at least an hour. But yeah, um, it's going to have. Uh, KO versus Logan Paul, the Fatal Four Way, yep. and I'm assuming they'll come up with a fifth match, probably Gunther. I would assume. Well, no, Gunther on on Raw this past week, uh, yesterday, he declared for the Royal Rumble. He did. Okay. Um. So they'll probably have a fifth match somewhere that they they always like to come up with with it probably be the uh some yeah, sort of like battle royal or something or maybe uh, a tag team championship like a match. tag team something like that. Um, but they tend to like to run four to five matches on their PLEs now. And so I have a feeling that's what WrestleMania is going to be. It's going to be like five matches on Saturday, five matches on Sunday. And so if you have 10 stories that you can build through WrestleMania and, you know, whether it's the tag division, you know, whatever you want to do, I feel like your job as a producer and a writer is to get the most, the most out of your roster. Mm-hmm. Um, there should be no reason that people just sit in catering. Even if you look at this past WrestleMania, WrestleMania 39, a lot of these like a lot of these matches had big buildups going into them. Mm-hmm. Like you look at Night One, Theory, Cena, right? Had built, up, had built up for like two months. Flair, Rhea, not as much of a buildup. I think Rhea won the Royal Rumble, so you right. know, she built up. You know, got the got the match. Usos versus Sammy and Kevin, mm-hmm. <laughs> like year long bloodline story with Sammy Zayn. Right. The yeah, Becky Leah Treasures Damage Control, the you know, that whole thing. Seth Logan, like Logan Paul came at um Seth at the Chamber even before that, but he got like Nation Chamber, like Dominic and Ray, like going on for like right. months. Like they like if you look through the whole card, they had like a good that's no that's the reason why WWE is the must watch product, is because their road to WrestleMania, you have storylines being booked going from like January up until April when they culminate. Right. So you have like three months of storytelling for like half of these matches. Right. All right. Uh, that's all we got planned for this episode. Any final words that you would like to say uh, before we before we end this? Oh, um, you know, say I want to say prayers and um, you know thoughts to my to my boy Seth Rollins. You know, I, I might be a little bit of a Seth Rollins hater sometimes, but I do appreciate <laughs> his hard work and I appreciate his time and devotion to the craft. And, you know, you know he is a fighting champion. He comes up, he comes every week. You know, mm-hmm. he got he got banged up on Raw this past Monday, yesterday. So we're still waiting to hear the severity of that. Someone in, in discourse they might be out for Mania. I don't think it's that severe. Um, thoughts to Cora Jade toward toward the mm-hmm. ACL. So you know, pray, um, prayers to her, speed recovery. You know, remember, assumption of risk, but not unnecessary risk. Right, Cora Jade, freak accident. Yeah, we don't we, we don't need any of this. Oh, Charlotte Torre, she have, yeah, it's a it's a random botch. Yeah, she slipped off the top rope. Right. Like yeah, it does suck though, because Charlotte's out for mania. Cora was probably gonna get a call up. She's out now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 
the injury bugs back in WWE. Um, not as bad as it was in 2016 when Triple H was world champion for some <laughs> random ass reason, but yeah. Uh, Oh, so what, what's next week's show? We're doing WrestleMania. I mean, Royal Rumble predictions. Prediction. Yep. So we'll we'll be predicting uh, Royal Rumble next week, uh, and uh, that that is something I want to bring. If you do, if you're not in the Discord and you want, we're doing a little Royal Rumble game uh, where you guys come in. I'll randomly assign you uh, two uh, two numbers for each Rumble. Uh, we've got like four or five people in there now, uh, and you no know, winner. Just you know. No prize yet. Maybe, maybe there's a prize. I don't know. I haven't thought of anything. I'm kind of broke over here. So <laughs> um, between us two, we should do we should do a little WrestleMania. I mean, the Royal Rumble predictions. Do a little friendly wager between us. We, we, we'll see if we can get something something caught up here. Uh, but yeah, Royal Rumble's next weekend. Uh, so yeah, we'll definitely be doing that. Those predictions. Um, but until then, thank you guys for watching. Uh, like, share, and subscribe. Share it to all your friends, even if they don't like wrestling. You know, we, we kind of break this down, make it easy f- for them to 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 listen to. Um, more for the casual audience. Uh, mm. Join the Discord link in the des- the description. Uh, if you're listening on podcast networks on audio, leave a, a review and click follow. And until then, I'll see. We'll see you on next Tuesday. Don't forget about the junkyardmediagroup.com. Ah, yeah, you're right. Junkyardmediagroup.com. You can check out all of the the podcasts. You know, my brother, uh, Junkyard James, has Beyond the Junkyard and my sports podcast that I just started, the Week Too Deep show, is on there as well. And your blogs, your articles. And we got some blogs. I need to, I need to do better at, at writing those things. Uh, but until then, check out uh, the junkyardmediagroup.com website, and we'll see you guys next week. Brother, I'm going on a wild Hulk Hogan If I like it's a moment